Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Isaac Longworth, and today I want to tell you the story of Saint Mary Magdalene. She's a very important saint. In fact, Pope Francis, six years ago, recently elevated the memorial of her day to the status of a feast day. That's the same level of honor given to the apostles, and it's reserved for extremely important saints. And the reason that he elevated her day to a feast day is because of her important role as being an apostle to the apostles, which is a really cool title. And we're going to talk more about why she received that title and why she is a saint that we definitely need to look more into. Now, St. Mary Magdalene came from the town of Magdala, which is on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. And she was a woman who, during her lifetime, got to see firsthand the ministry of Jesus. Now, we don't know how old she was when she first met Jesus, but we do know that she was actually in a pretty scary state when they first met. You see, Mary was possessed by demons, which is a pretty intimidating sentence, but it's true. Mary was possessed by demons and demons are angels who have rebelled against God, have been sent out of heaven. They are spiritual. They don't have bodies. They're hyper-intelligent, much more intelligent than human beings are, and they hate God. They hate humanity because we are God's most beloved creation. And so demons are on a mission to destroy the lives of people as a way of showing their hatred towards God. And demons are real. A lot of times in our world today, people dismiss demons as, as kind of this superstitious ancient belief that we don't believe in anymore. No, as Catholics, we must believe in the existence of demons. They're present all throughout scripture and Jesus believed in them. So we need to follow what he teaches. And demons try to tempt all of us to sin. They try to tempt us away from God. They try to attack us with lies, with fears, with different disorders and sicknesses. And the more someone sins, the more power they give to demons over their life. And the reality is, is that eventually someone can get to the point where their body is actually controlled to certain extents by evil spirits, by demons. And through this, this steady descent into darkness, kind of giving over permission gradually over to demons, demons can actually come and possess someone who allows them to come in. And this was the terrifying state that Mary Magdalene was in when she first met Jesus. In fact, the scriptures tell us that she didn't just have one demon, which would already be bad enough, but Mary was possessed by seven different demons. Seven different demons possessed her body. Now, the scriptures don't say how Mary got into this position of being possessed by evil spirits. It could have been that she was someone who got involved with occult practices, with dark magic, with things that God had consistently warned his people against following. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 18, There shall not be found anyone among you who practices divination or soothsaying, which is a kind of fortune telling, or an auger, which was someone who tried to predict things based on natural occurrences like the flight of birds or the intestines of animals. God says, don't go after charmers, people who made amulets or special potions, or a medium, someone who tried to channel spirits from another dimension. God says, don't go after wizards or sorcerers, people who would cast spells and curses, or going after necromancers, people who try to talk with the dead. 
And so it's possible that Mary was someone who got involved with some of this darkness and that was a portal for the demons to enter into her. She also might have been someone who was entrapped in a lifestyle of serious sin. Maybe she didn't think originally that she was opening herself up to dark spirits, but slowly as she continued in this sin, they began to take over her life until she became trapped in an addiction to these sins as a result of being enslaved to those demons. But whatever it was that got her into this position, the darkness that Mary would have been experiencing would have been horrible. It would have been like she was living in a real-life horror movie. She would have probably experienced some kind of paranormal activity, behavior in her house, maybe things moving without her touching them. There would have probably been some kind of physical attacks on her from the demons. Maybe she heard voices. And she would have experienced an incredible amount of shame because the Jewish culture that she lived in, her neighbors would no doubt reject a sinner like her, someone who was possessed so thoroughly by evil, they would have wanted nothing to do with her. And she would have been all alone with no one to understand what she was going through. And the despair that she must have experienced, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. With the demons constantly whispering to her lies like, you belong to us and you'll never be free. You will be possessed by us until you die, and then we will take you to hell forever. God has abandoned you. You can just imagine the fear and the horror of her life. But all of that changed when she met Jesus. You see, a major part of Jesus' ministry when he walked here on this earth was freeing people from the power of evil spirits that had demonized them. All throughout the scriptures, we see Jesus going toe-to-toe with demons to rescue people from their influence. And it always looked different in how he did it. The way the demons manifested in the presence of Jesus was different every time. There was the boy who was possessed by demons that would cause him to go into seizures and foam at the mouth, would throw the boy into fire and water to try and injure him. But when Jesus delivers him, The boy lays still as if he's dead until he's lifted up by Jesus. Then there was the demonized man who walked around naked, who cut himself with stones, who was filled by a legion of demons. And Jesus commands the demons several times to come out of the man until the demons plead to be sent into a herd of pigs nearby, which Jesus allows them to do. And they rush with the pigs over the cliff and are drowned in water. Then there's the man in the synagogue who comes up to Jesus and the demons who are within him scream out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And immediately Jesus commands the demons to be silent and come out of the man. And the man shakes violently and screams as the demons leave him. And so deliverance looked very different for every person, but the result, the end result was always the same. The demons would be forced out of the person by the command of Jesus and the person who had been enslaved by their dark powers would be set free. And the reason that this happens is because Jesus loves us. He loves his people. He came to rescue us from the power of evil. He wants to win us back. And so there is a fierceness in Jesus when he comes into our world to go to battle with these these demons, these unclean creatures of darkness Because he wants to bring us back to himself. He wants to win us for his love. And that's exactly what he did with Mary Magdalene. He saw that Mary was trapped by these seven demons. And she didn't have the power to free herself. She needed a savior. 
And we don't know what the deliverance of Mary looked like. Maybe she came to to Jesus. Maybe she came to him hearing of his power to deliver people like her. And she came and begged for his help. Or maybe he was passing through her town and he saw her and he took the initiative. He started the conversation to set her free. Maybe it was a dramatic scene like other deliverance scenes in the Bible where people are screaming and shaken and demons are talking back and forth with Jesus. Or maybe it was more peaceful and Jesus forced them to leave without doing Mary any more harm. But whatever it looked like after her encounter with Jesus, Mary was radically changed radically changed. All seven demons were driven out of her by the power of God because God is so much more powerful than even the strongest demon and she was set free. Now, not surprisingly, after being delivered like this, she went on to become one of Jesus's most devoted followers. He was her savior, her deliverer, and she began to travel with him as he went from city to city, preaching, healing, and delivering. We get a description of what this looks like in the gospel when it says, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And then it lists who was traveling with Jesus. It says, the 12 were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. So the 12 apostles were with him and also women who Jesus had healed. And it lists these women. It says there was Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. So that's our girl, Mary. And then it says Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who was Herod's household manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And so this is another clue as to who Mary Magdalene was, because she's listed with this group of wealthy women. I mean, one of them was wife of the household manager of King Herod. So definitely some powerful women. And Mary Magdalene is listed with them as one of the women who helped to financially support Jesus's ministry. And so many biblical scholars think that Mary Magdalene was in fact a wealthy woman who was able to help Jesus with the expenses of his travels and more than that actually traveled with him amongst his inner group of disciples traveling on the road from city to city for at least a major part of his ministry. So Mary Magdalene would have seen him heal the sick. She would have seen him raise the dead, cast out demons from people who had been just like her. And I like to imagine Mary Magdalene as being someone who actually went out and brought possessed people to Jesus, other demonized people. Maybe she shared her testimony with them and said, look, he freed me from seven demons. He can do the same for you, giving them hope, helping them to adjust to this new life of freedom after Jesus delivered them. I can very easily see that happening with Mary Magdalene as she traveled on the road with Jesus. Now, much of the details of Mary's life aren't known for sure. The scriptures speak about her, but we don't know everything about what happened in her life. And because of this mystery, there have been a whole bunch of theories and rumors that have surrounded this saint throughout history. One of these rumors, maybe you've heard it before, is that Mary Magdalene was actually the wife of Jesus, which seems ridiculous and It is ridiculous, but enough people believe it that I thought I would mention this and just dispel this rumor because it really doesn't have much of a foundation. It's true that it would have been odd for Jesus to have not been married at his time. Normally, Jewish men at that time in history would be married. Singlehood was not a common thing. But nowhere in any of the Gospels is it mentioned that Jesus has a wife and certainly never that he is married to Mary Magdalene. 
And throughout the church's history, there was never even a hint that Jesus was married to anyone, Mary Magdalene or otherwise. No church fathers mentioned that he had a wife, none of the apostles, none of the eyewitnesses of his life. And so you might be wondering, well, where did this idea come from? Well, it comes from a couple of different sources. In the early 2000s, there was a fictional book published by an author named Dan Brown. He wrote something called The Da Vinci Code. It was this fictional book that in the book, these historians discover that Jesus actually was married to Mary Magdalene and had children with her. And so even though it was a fiction, for some reason, this theory became popular. And Dan Brown relied on some of the quote-unquote, research for his book on something called the Gospel of Philip. Now, the Gospel of Philip is not actually written by the Apostle Philip. It's not a true gospel. It was written over 300 years after Jesus by a non-Christian group called the Gnostics. The Gnostics had some really weird writings about Jesus, almost like spiritual fan fiction. And uh, in this Gospel of Philip, it says that Jesus kisses Mary Magdalene. And so Dan Brown takes this quote and then spins it and says, well, this obviously means that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and this is his only source, not even talking about the fact that in these fake gospels, there's all these other weird things that Jesus does. Like, for instance, Jesus as a baby kills another kid for playing with his toys um, Jesus's mother, Mary, is like this fire-breathing monster that almost destroys the world. At one point in one of these Gospels, Jesus says that he's going to turn Mary Magdalene into a man so that she can go to heaven. So it, these stories are very bizarre. And yet, for some reason, Dan Brown and people who believe that Mary Magdalene was Jesus's wife latch on to this one sentence where Jesus kisses Mary Magdalene as this like, aha, proof that Jesus was married. Later on, in 2012, there was this supposed discovery of a new fragment of an old document that was brought forward that apparently said that Jesus had a wife. And this fragment was this old papyrus sheet. It was very badly damaged. It had um, just about eight sentences on it, so a very small fragment. And it was translated nearly 400 years after the time of Jesus, supposedly. And so... This was a cause of great excitement. A lot of scholars thought, well, maybe this is proof that Jesus had a wife. It never said anything about Mary Magdalene, but just that he had a wife. And yet, after many scholars investigated it, they all found out that it was a fake. In fact, Dr. Karen King, who had initially brought forward this fragment as a new discovery, she herself said in a quote to the Boston Globe that it appears now that all the material given to me concerning the provenance of this papyrus were fabrications. And so clearly this rumor that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene is not to be believed with any kind of credibility. It comes from a collection of an author's imagination in a modern fiction book. It comes from bizarre texts written by non-Christians hundreds of years after Jesus and one ancient fragment that was later found out to be a fake. So really, no credibility whatsoever for this claim. But another theory that is a little bit more interesting about who Mary Magdalene was comes 500 years after Jesus, when a pope, Pope Gregory I, preached this homily on the life of Mary Magdalene. And in this homily, Pope Gregory said a lot of his opinions about Mary Magdalene. 
which maybe have influenced what you think about who St. Mary Magdalene was. So Pope Gregory thought that Mary Magdalene was originally a prostitute who converted after meeting Jesus. And he also said that Mary Magdalene was also the woman in the gospel who was caught in adultery and was in danger of being stoned. And at the same time, she was also the woman who came and anointed Jesus's feet with perfume and washed his feet with her tears and with her hair. So basically, Mary Magdalene was like this catch-all figure for many of these different women figures in the Bible. Now, Pope Gregory was just sharing his opinion there. This isn't church teaching, but his ideas caught on, and many people in the Western church believed this about Mary Magdalene for many years. This theory never really caught on with the Eastern side of the church, but it definitely was very influential in the Western understanding of who Mary Magdalene was. And so if we look at the claims of Gregory in the life of Mary Magdalene, we find that in scripture, there's actually two stories in the Bible where Jesus has his feet washed and perfumed by a woman. One of them is done by Mary of Bethany. She's the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And the other is by a woman who the gospels don't name in the house of a man named Simon. Now, some scholars think that Mary of Bethany is actually the same person as Mary of Magdala which does seem somewhat contradictory because, you know, is she from Bethany or is she from Magdala? But it's not impossible. It's possible that Mary Magdalene was indeed the sister of Martha. And others say that, no, there is two different women. Mary of Bethany washes Jesus's feet in Bethany, and then Mary Magdalene washes Jesus's feet in the house of Simon. But there's no evidence for this. This is just a theory. When it comes to the idea that she is the woman caught in adultery, or even the fact that she is a prostitute who converted, there is no evidence for this whatsoever. There's nothing in scripture that says that Mary used to be a prostitute, and there is no connection to her being the woman caught in adultery. So while it's possible, there is no proof for this. It just comes from the opinion of Gregory that he preached in this homily. And so to sum it all up, really, we just don't know for sure. Was Mary Magdalene a prostitute who converted her life and turned to Jesus? Maybe. But scripture doesn't say anything about that. Was she the woman who was caught in adultery and was in danger of being stoned until Jesus saved her life? Possibly. But scripture doesn't make that connection either. Was Mary Magdalene the same person as Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus? Possibly, but scripture doesn't say that. Was Mary the unnamed woman who came and washed Jesus' feet with her hair and with her tears and perfumed them? Again, we just don't know because scripture doesn't say any of that. This all comes from the opinion of Pope Gregory 500 years later after Jesus' death and resurrection. But one thing we do know for sure, crystal clear, is that Mary Magdalene was present at the crucifixion of Jesus. Because we get that straight out of the Gospel of John. In John chapter 19, verse 25, it says, Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And so unlike most of the apostles who fled in fear from Jesus because they didn't want to be next, Mary actually loved Jesus enough to stick it out, to be with him to the end. And she watched the entire horror of his torture and his execution. She stood by with Jesus' mother 
with the Apostle John and some of the other women who had followed with Jesus, showing just how steadfast she was, that she was not someone who would abandon Jesus. She knew what Jesus had done for her, that he had delivered her from the powers of darkness and she wasn't going to go anywhere. And there was this same undying love that showed itself on the morning when Jesus rose again. Because again, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, we learn that Mary Magdalene was actually the first eyewitness recorded in scripture of Jesus' resurrection. It said, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, John, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and I don't know where they have laid him. So Mary Magdalene is the first person to see the empty tomb. She goes and tells the apostles that someone has taken the Lord. She doesn't know yet that he's risen. She just knows that the body is not there. And later it says, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And the angel said to Mary Magdalene, they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. She's in such shock. She doesn't know where the body of Jesus is, this one whom she loves, this one whom saved her. She thought maybe grave robbers came and took his body. Where is he? She's in confusion. She's in fear. And it's at this point, the scripture saying, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. It's like her eyes aren't able to recognize the fact that Jesus is standing right in front of her, which we need to understand where she is. She thinks Jesus is dead. And so even if Jesus looks like Jesus, she's not in the right state of mind to even think that he's alive. She thinks it's someone else. In fact, Mary Magdalene thinks that he was the gardener. It says in the scriptures, she supposed him to be the gardener. And she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. Tell me where you have laid the body and I will take him away. And it's at this point where Jesus looks at her and says, Mary. He just says her name. And it's at this moment that she recognizes him. She recognizes Jesus when he says her name, which is just so beautiful. And then at this point, Mary Magdalene becomes a changed woman again. No longer is she weeping because she knows that her deliverer is alive, just like he promised. And in the Gospel of Mark, it says she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. Her story seemed so incredible that even the apostles didn't believe Mary first when she said, Look, guys, I've seen the Lord. Jesus is alive. She was the first person recorded in the Bible to have witnessed Jesus alive making her role so extremely important because she was the one who would go and tell the apostles who in turn would go out to tell the world eventually that Jesus was alive. And so because of this, she was given the title apostle to the apostles by St. Thomas Aquinas. He called her for the first time the apostle to the apostles, which is such a cool title. She goes and tells the apostles that Jesus is alive so that they can go and tell the world. 
And after Jesus' resurrection, the Bible goes silent about what happened to Mary Magdalene. But one of the most popular theories, because it comes from the earliest sources, say that Mary Magdalene went to go and live in the city of Ephesus after the resurrection of Jesus. She went to go live in Ephesus with Mary, Jesus' mother, and possibly some other disciples, maybe the women who had followed with Jesus. They formed together a community with each other, supporting the missionary evangelization of the world that was being done by the apostles through praying for them and for their mission. Now, Mary was someone who came from a past of truly unbelievable darkness and evil. Someone who was possessed by seven demons. Someone who was considered a shameful sinner. And yet, she met Jesus. She was delivered by him. And she was never the same again. And as a result, she loved him so deeply out of gratitude for what he had done for her, that even in the most hopeless moments, like the cross, like being there at the tomb when she thought his body had been stolen, she refused to abandon him. And because of that, she became the apostle to the apostles, being the first one to share the news of the risen Jesus. And so let's pray right now to St. Mary Magdalene that we would become saints just like she was. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Mary Magdalene, you knew just how evil the enemy was the demonic forces that wanted to destroy you, how much the devil hates humanity and wants to kill us all. But you also knew the power of Jesus to save and deliver because he rescued you. So help us to resist the attacks of the enemy. If we are listening in and we are struggling with some kind of bondage to demonic forces, that we've believed their lies, that we've been trapped in patterns of sin or addictions, that we've even been attacked by demons or, or cursed through use of the occult or dark magic. St. Mary Magdalene, through your intercession, we ask for Jesus to break all of those evil powers over us so that we can be delivered just like you were. St. Mary Magdalene, you put your hope in the risen Jesus who appeared to you and sent you to tell the good news. Let us never lose hope because Jesus is alive. And let us tell others with boldness, just like you did, that Jesus is alive and that he is king, even if others don't believe us right away, as they did with you. St. Mary Magdalene, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.